Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Sci under the Believe Podcast Network. It is indeed a podcast about black science fiction and fantasy and staying on the same page as a family. Today is episode 108 and we'll be discussing black mermaids, groupies, Meg the Stallion, sickness and health and the practice of freedom. First things first, we would like to thank patrons aka the country club you know who you are for supporting us every single month with one dollar two dollar five dollars any little bit bit supports the but say any little bitch supports the wallen family any, any any little bitch out there any little bitch we accept any little bit all bitches support especially oh, the, the oh. little bitches okay we close, love the we close little my bitches. child's ears we are here as a whole family today uh wild is strapped to my chest little, uh we little bitches no 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 don't it, see See, now you're going to have to edit and cut. Not not my baby. Anyway, we thank y'all so much for all of your contributions and just <laughs> always believing in us as a family. Uh, for those of you who watch the YouTube video when it comes out, whenever Ben decides to do it, you, you can see I am actively fighting uh, with Wild. She is moving the microphone because she says... I don't care nothing about y'all little show. Anyway, if you would like to continue supporting with Wild and Family, you can find the link to the Patreon in the episode notes. Also, a reminder, I'm doing a Sunday 30-minute yoga class for beginners. It's at 9 a.m. PT, uh, noon ET. So thank you so much, everybody, that's been joining me on that class. And people have said they have really liked that. Anyway, let's do a quick check-in because we skipped last week. Thank y'all so much for being patient with us. The whole house was down sick. Sick. Uh, me and Wild Lynn had uh, colds and flus, uh, and, and then Ben had a uh, stomach flu. Well, no, I had the man flu. Oh. You said ben I had, had the man flu. Ben had what well, we in the business like to call the man flu. What, right. What's the man flu, Ben? Break it down right. for the So people. basically studies on mice have shown that bacterial infections affect male and female mice differently, and therefore we can assume that you know flu symptoms and sickness affect human males and human females differently because testosterone slightly suppresses the immune system where estrogen um sort of boosts the immune system so the man flu might actually be a real thing i don't the man flu is a real thing but i don't think it's a matter of dna i think men have been it's not a matter of dna it's or, a matter of uh, testosterone, testosterone, or, or whatever all of that chemical is. I just think men have been conditioned to be like pampered and babied, so, and because you told me growing societal. up, growing up, how did your mom react whenever you got sick? Why don't you paint the people a picture? Well, first of all, when I was sick recently, Amber brought me canned chicken soup, and I was like, "Is this homemade?" Because well, first off, I, first of all, let, let, not even first half of a point of all, so my I mom am a made working woman. So I don't have time to take care of a sick baby. I'm sick and been up here talking. <laughs> is it homemade? I got my kombucha to boost my. Um, it's kombucha, Ben. Uh, it is kombucha. It's I, a K O M. I like saying kombucha. kombucha. Okay, okay, you got your kombucha. Yeah, I had, I had the audacity to ask me was the soup homemade? Like I'm supposed to be Chef Boyardee, Julia Childs, Brady Crocker out this? Absolutely not. I am a working woman. And speaking of being a working woman, uh, you have been hosting. You hosted a a little baby concert, and pre-show, Megan pre-show. The, the pre-show, and uh, a Megan the Stallion pre-show concert. 
I did. And the last show, it was cold as a witch's tit. Did I use that Southern phrase correctly? Yes. Last show, it was cold as a witch's titty. Uh, It was a little chilly out here for LA. But yes, um, the last time we spoke to y'all, I think, I was gearing up for the first concert of the series. And so for that concert, uh, Lil Baby was featured and then Meg Thee Stallion was featured this past week. And I did not, unfortunately, get a chance to speak to Lil Baby or Meg Thee Stallion, but I did get a, a chance to every single show. Every single week on the show, we've been able to interview two chains, uh, who oddly enough is really funny. Um, if I, not, not him is a comedian, not he's a comedian, but he's kind of a little bit of a, like, uh, he's a cool cat. So he's not really going to give you much in an interview. So you will ask him like a very big question and he'll be like, no. So you're like, no, now this is a show now. Give the people something. But I mean, he's just like, I'm an OG. I'm two chains. I don't really have to explain my answer, explain my whatever. But can I explain the uh, question that I asked him real quick? Yeah. So on the show, you know, I'm nervous, right? Two chains. He's he's like he's he's always wearing shades. And, you know, it's inside. Again, I'm not shading two chains. I've been a huge fan of his, but he's just like not an easy guy. You, to you talk told to. me that he got you through some dark times in college. He did. Something. He got us all. I mean, like every every pregame had a two chain song in it from like, well, it's a vibe came out later. But, you know, like the birthday it's your birth, like all of the two chain. I am smoking on at me. He is that guy. But when, so one question I asked him is because two chains is from Atlanta, as is Lil Baby. And so Lil Baby's sort of in that new generation of Atlanta sound in the rap game. And two chains, like no shade, is from about 10 years ago. I wouldn't call him old, but, and so I basically asked him a question like, hey, do you, as, as an Atlanta native, do you think, Lil Baby stands on the shoulders of you and some of the other rappers in the game. Do you see yourself as a mentor for him in, in some ways? I didn't, I didn't ask that question. Like, do you call him every week? I simply asked, like, do you see yourself as, you know, the, the, the class that came before Lil Baby? And he was like, no, no. Um, so I was like, awesome. And and I tried to like tweak the question a little bit, but he was like, no, he's, he's got his own sound. He's got his own thing going. Then you move on to the next question. I mean, I know that, but okay. Say what you got to say. Well, a good host would learn how to do that, you know, but you're still, you're a new host. So no shade against you. Right. I am a new host, but also there's a level of like, you could easily, if, if I would say if anybody ever asked me, you know, do you think you stand on the shoulders of like Quinta Brunson and Issa Rae as I cl- as I continue to climb and continue on the trajectory and that I'm on? I, there's no, no way I could say no. Like that's who set the tone for like uh, Evelyn of the Internet's like internet comedy, uh, you know, regular regular black girl comedy. Like I stand on their shoulders. You know what I'm saying? So for him to just be like no, I was like dang, so chase. And then. I got curved on my hug because of the, t- the table was in I the way. Never, the table on I'll set. I'll never hear the end of this hug. But uh, we got it right this week. I got to hug two chains this week. That was good. Yeah, uh, I, I, I'll post a video to prove that to y'all. But anyway, yeah, Ben had saw, the flu. Yeah, and, and we saw Meg the Stallion, though, after. I got over my sickness pretty quickly. My mom did teach me, though, that uh, you get three days to be sick. Mama said... Amber, men are absolute babies when it comes to being sick. So the uh, it's customary just to get give your man three good days to be down bad. I'm like, Mom, Ben, shit in the tub. Like, I'm supposed to deal with that for three days? I Three days. I didn't shit in the tub for three days. I don't have that much shit in me. I'm saying, but when you're sick, you don't clean up. After yourself, you're... I told you're you, just, give me a day. I needed a day. I needed a day, and I was fine. But... 
Anyway, I love you though. This, I mean, for in sickness and in health, that's what they said. That's that is that is what you got marriage is. You just be put, you be putting on a little bit, just a little bit. I mean, I threw up like ten times. I don't. I don't. I don't but but sometimes you'll be like, oh, oh. Yeah, because my stomach is this hurts. Soup homemade. Oh. Yeah, that was a. I'm well, like, that I actually said that to be funny. I said that to be funny. But I'm, I'm I glad you're feeling to, better, Ben. <laughs> oh yes, I mean I didn't really have a choice. I had to feel better. I mean, See, I couldn't do anything. I can't, I can't even be nice to you. I can't you even be like, sick. You only like what I mean to you. I know. Ben, I I am so glad that you, the father of my child, and my bestie are feeling better. I really Great. am. Talking about people being mean to each other at the Zay, Megan the me. yeah Megan me the like Megan the no. Stallion concert. She mentioned something about you know people hating on her, and I was thinking about. Drake recently because he if oh, y'all don't know we don't we're gonna give this uh two minutes tops because I right, could so go on I, on on yeah we shouldn't spend too much time on this I'm just very confused why Drake would rap about Megan lying about being shot by Tory Lanez I'm very very confused about this and and that is that whole thing comes out of uh the internet conspiracy theory realm and here's a man Drake who <laughs> you know, talks about, you know, his haters being annoying or whatever and comes out and <laughs> and is himself a hater. And I'm like, just fuck Huge. off, bro. Like, stick to rapping about parties and hotline bling. Like, why do you have to make this statement that has nothing to do with you? I mean, I guess it yeah, does have something. Yeah, he tries to play it off like, oh, well, it was really about ass shots. It's like, no, it wasn't. Like, you you could have chose any other girl in the game who actually has a BBL if it was about ass shots, but it wasn't. Yeah. So stop, you, like, just leave leave Megan alone. Like, or, or she's just, the new Britney Spears of the, this generation. It feels like at this point. It's also sort of funny because now, not it's just a terrible business move because Drake talks, Drake sort of prevents like presents himself as being this like businessman kind of person. And it's a terrible business move because now he's cut off ties of ever working with her, and she is absolutely. Like the, she is like the rap game. Like she is a, a image of the rap game. And right we now. saw her as 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 people. Well, we were already fans of Megs. I'm fans of Megs beyond the music. I'm a fan of when she is on uh, She Hulk and Poe. Uh, not Pose. Legendary. I love her as a judge on Legendary. I love her as Tina Snow on um, this season of P Valley. Like. Just all around great person, all around like promoting that she is graduating from college, and we all celebrated that with her. All around promoting that Which she's Drake a fan said of said was fake. She's he a fan of anime, so it's just it's it's really corny and goofy for him to go after her. And then did you see recently that he also uh, called Alexis Ohanan, um, Serena Williams' husband, he called him a groupie. Man, it's just like what kind? What, what a, are a wrong man who, with these celebrities who are just let me intentionally cut off like parts of my, you know, business appendages. <laughs> like, like why? Then, then you know, you're gonna be called a groupie at some point. I, I don't for, care for for right, I am for being a, a loving father and a, a loving husband. Okay, that, I guess that would make one a groupie. When Drake is literally the biggest groupie out here for athletes, but it doesn't. And Alexis Ohanan's like. I actually married the greatest athlete in the freaking but world. But it doesn't matter. I'm a groupie. Well, I, like, I, I why? Admit it. Why is this even an issue? Like, who cares? I, I don't care. Correct. Drake. Drake loves basketball. Yeah. He should give Kobe a hug. He should hang out with LeBron James. So Drake's corny. music is a pump up kind of music. That's fine. Like, why are we? Yeah. 
you know, and, and there's this whole thing of like celebrities getting annoyed at people getting all in their business, but celebrities are all in each other's business. Correct. You know what I mean? <laughs> like shut the yeah. fuck up, sit oh. down and rap uh, for college kids to get drunk at parties. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Stay on the hotline. <laughs> Stay oh, on the, the ho- Okay. Stay on the hotline, Blake. The, the other thing, Amber, you didn't know that Drake was Jewish, which is like the thing that every single white person knows really? about Drake. Yeah, Drake is Jewish, and he's very proud of his Jewish heritage. So I think it was also sort of surprising to hear Drake step into these conspiracy theories when there are so like he should know better about conspiracy theories, right? He yeah. should know better as both being a black man and a Jewish man. Yeah. Having those intersecting idea I, right. identities. If there's anybody you should have beef with this week, it's Kanye. Yeah. It's not Ka- me. <laughs> yay. 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 Oh, yay. Apologies. Anyway. Apologies. Anyway, I, that's all right. See, this stupid. is why this isn't a celebrity podcast, because we could go on all day. Anyway, I promise y'all we are going to talk about um, Tencent Daisy, which is what we, uh, the movie we watched on Prime Video. But before we get into that, this is your reminder. If you would like to continue supporting the Side by Side podcast, maybe not with your dollars, but with your words, which go a long way as well, you could drop a podcast review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And we have a... Can you zoom that in for me, baby? We have a great review here. I'll read it. Oh, yeah, go I ahead. got you. Go I got, got you. I got, got get me. We have a, we have a review. That's my group. Uh, listenable, even if not a sci-fi girl. Girl. Um, that's spelled G W O R L. Santana, go off. Uh, this person, uh, KG Love, writes, "Love listening. I'm not a huge reader or into sci-fi things, but I'm still very entertained." This has encouraged me to check out a few movies and shows, mostly here for the banter and two point of views shared by Amber and Ben. Love it. That's a pro- yes. that is like yes, the that is ultimate the thing that we want. Yes. That that is every review we want. People who are like, I I care about the sci fi here and there, but I mostly come for y'all. So we we're very excited to hear that. Thank okay. you so much, KG Love. So we watched uh, Ten Saint Daisy. It is a low budget film, so I think for those who are going to watch this, just go into knowing that it was picked up. Uh, by Gravitas Veritas to be uh, distributed on video on demand, and I'm very glad this movie exists. And there are definitely thing, there are definitely problems with it. Um, they weren't able to. There's a, a lot of uh, info dumping. We've talked mm-hmm. about info dump before on the show, and essentially, yeah, inf- explain that. Info dumping is when you um, tell a backstory without showing it. And they, because I truly believe because of budget constraints, they were not able to show everything they wanted to show to the story. Can I say one more thing about that? Yeah. I know we're not going to just like go on and on about the negatives because we do have some really great things to talk about um, the elements of this movie because it is about black mermaids. But one thing also about info dubbing it for this movie specifically, it got to some points where the the who of who was info dumping was also a little bit lost on us. Like, have you ever just like walked into a classroom and a professor starts talking, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, I don't even know what class this is. Is it organic chemistry? Is it economics 101? So it was really hard to even sort of pay attention during the info dumps because I was like, but wait, who is this character that's talking? So Ben did a much better job than me of like listening to the info dumps because I I do not do well at learning something when I don't even know what I'm learning. And that was a, a quite a few of the scenes. I was like, Ben, I can't even listen to this character because who are they? So I'm just yeah. I'm just keeping it real, y'all. 
they introduce some characters pretty quickly and expect us to know who the character is. And it, you have to watch sort of the film to the complete end to understand the importance of one of the characters, Mira, who is sort of the pseudo villain. But before we get into that, Tencent Daisy is about a mermaid, a spoiler alert, who is abandoned by her mother and is raised in a town by a caring foster mother, Iris, and her two sisters. And her two sisters, um, the mermaid is called Daisy, and her sisters are called, I believe, Lily and uh, another flower name. Orchid, Violet. Yes. Uh, and Lily's the little girl. Lily's the little girl, but it's, yeah, so Orchid and Violet are the two sisters, and they find this little girl named Daisy, who is the mermaid. Um, however, in this town, after the town's priest attempts to kill Daisy, her sisters flee, and the film starts with them attempting to return their home in the West Indies after their mother is released from prison for killing the priest. Uh, so uh, Iris is the mother, saves her her mermaid adopted child from being killed by this priest and the girls flee to berkeley california so okay i just want to start with black mermaids and the great question of why does america need black mermaids that's a great question is this a question that is you're asking me or this Uh, is a question that like has been answered by the genre i don't think i don't think it's answered i think this the great essential questions don't have single word answers. They don't have single sentence answers. But Got it. in my mind, like, why does America need black mermaids? Um, I I personally believe there is a, a poetic justice to black mermaids, given black people's history with water and oh, large with the ocean. Yeah, with the transatlantic straight slave trade and yeah. things of that nature. So there's a little bit when it comes to fantasy that feels uh healing in a way when you write about a black mermaid because we've read so many texts of black people just being thrown into the sea like lifeless bodies there and so So the the mermaid story becomes this fantastical way of like reclaiming the water and loving the water you know that that also makes me think that perhaps that the the racist stereotype that black people can't swim correct comes from this yes, idea probably. that uh slaves were being you know chained together and ball and then thrown off right right there's it's like nobody can swim with chains on and if they're dead yeah there's also i also think that racist stereotype comes uh, again from another uh, important historical happening in chicago in 1919 uh, in a beach not far from where Amber and I lived, uh, a young black boy swam over to the white side, and these white men threw rocks at this young boy. I forgot his name. Uh, the rocks hit him. He falls underwater. He dies. And this uh, caused massive riots uh, in 1919. Wow. Um, I did not know about yeah, that. We so, should drop some more info. Yeah. About so that I'll, I'll share. There's a great book that Evel Ewing wrote called... Um, 1919 and we've also read uh eve l ewing's uh uh, she wrote a collection of of poems but yeah so that's actually i i wasn't thinking of that i was the other thing i wanted to talk about why does america needs them see these this is a great question because of multiple answers is america needs black mermaids because of the pushback resulting in the remake of the live action film little mermaid correct yes right because that pushback, again, tells us, again, just more evidence 
that the cultural war of like creating space for non-white stories or just non-white characters. Yes, we can't even get to the story because <laughs> y'all tripping about the elf. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, like that. That in itself again shows us that there is this battle that has to occur within the realm of fantasy, within the realm of storytelling. Absolutely. So uh, there's a great, you know, Michel Foucault, the great philosopher. He writes about this difference between the practice of freedom versus liberation, where liberation is a political movement, right? So the practice of freedom, practice like of individual practices versus liberation, just like a way liberation of Liberation is a, no, liber, yeah, let me explain it. Okay. So liberation is a political action, right? So the Emancipation Proclamation, it was an act of liberation. Mm, so like le more legislative. Yeah, legislative, it. it's political. Where Got the it. practice of freedom is this ongoing struggle to convent the uh, lingering effects of the the oppressor. I got you. Okay. So the practice of freedom for black artists, in this case, um, the the director of this film, who is a black man, he is a director, and him writing a story about a black mer mermaid becomes almost like a practice of freedom. Of I saying see. like, hey, mermaids, even though the, the greatest American image of a mermaid has been, you know, Ariel from the Disney movie, but when you put a black mermaid, now you are practicing freedom. So just the image, there's this great image hmm. where you see a mermaid in this water and you see her like with her tail flowing. That image for someone, you know, for a kid, for a new filmmaker, that that image becomes a practice of freedom. Yeah. Isn't that like sort of beautiful? Like It is that. beautiful. It It does make me think that does the nature of being black make everything a practice of freedom? Yeah, I think you're, you're very act, but um, in this case, uh, creating of art, creating of art specifically. Got you. Yeah, so for sure. There's a book I'm reading. It just um, makes me, it, I just, because of, our position, our as black people or black woman, our positionality in society now, like I went to a yoga class earlier today, even though I went for my mental health, there's always, this is me practicing freedom because black bodies have been so uh, controlled. And does that make sense? Yeah. I, so it's I, not a problem. I just, it's, it's, it's I every it's, action that I take always going to be, like a radical practice of freedom or are any of those uh, like movements yeah, I and actions ever going to be just like, ah, I just drew a cartoon. No, no, no I, uh, yes. Which, which we get into it. So in woke, uh, right. this artist is a black comic artist and he's creating this black, but he's not creating black art, but he's as a black comic book artist, he's making art with like fruit and stuff. Right. You know, but the very fact that he is a black person doing this becomes a practice of freedom. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, no, my stuff is not political, but it's inherently political Correct. because you, by doing this, you are combating like what the, the oppressor has like left over. And so in this case, like, you know, um, Amber and I have talked about this before where Amber will make a funny video or will write like a funny sketch or she'll do something funny 
And it's not political in nature, but the very fact that she is doing it becomes a practice of reading and, yeah. and becomes a yeah. form of politics. Like, I'll just share, oh, look, we're at swim lessons with Wild. And then I'll see a, look at Wild breaking stereotypes. Yes. It's like, oh, there is this stereotype right. that black people can't swim. Wild is biracial. So now this has gone from a swim lesson to like a, a six month old breaking stereotypes, which just inherently which, is just how it goes. That yeah. she's, she's practicing that freedom. Yeah. Just right. The, the, but I think when you have a public platform and this is, there's a great mm-hmm. book called um, the content of our caricature, which talks about black comic artists and Rebecca Wazo, who is the, the black woman who wrote the book. She's a brilliant scholar, but she writes about, this practice of freedom. That's where I got this idea within the context of like black artists. Yeah. Um, the other thing I want to talk talk about was mermaid culture, right? Yes. So there are two things that this film introduced that, um, about mermaid culture that I thought was fantastic world building. And I think the, if the filmmaker had more time, they should have delved more into this one that these mermaids (laughs) can only, swim in the water and of the West Indies. So this, oh, yeah, I love th- that. this one mer- mermaid, Mira, who's sort of the pseudo villain in some ways, she imports water into a pool so that she can transform. So you can't transform unless you're in a specific kind of water. Correct. What do you, th- what do you think about that? Like, I think th- that makes the most sense. Do you, do you need a why? To, or I, or I can the, do you, did you create a why in your head? I, that, that little detail was really helpful because in your brain, you're kind of like, well, wouldn't she just become a mermaid every morning yeah, in, the every shower? Time in the shower? Wouldn't she, yeah. If it rains, she becomes a mermaid. Yeah. If she had a glass of water, it becomes a mermaid. So I think that detail was something I was like, oh yeah, like that would make sense. It's like, these are the waters where she was born. And there is a level of, we all become our truest selves once we're home in a way. So I thought, I thought it was like a really nice balance of like that, you know, yeah. like, wait, wait, like, like you get, you get, you get Amber, you know, 95% of the time, but you get like a really big picture of who I am whenever I'm home with yeah, my with family, your, you know, and, your, and the same with you you're, when you're with your family uh, or maybe, or maybe, I don't know. Do you feel that way? And we um, love your, I love my in-laws. Like, this is not that, but uh, just Ben has a lot of thoughts. I don't, I don't have home. I don't feel a connection with home probably in the same way that you do because mm. of when I moved and the frequency in which I moved and the fact that I was homeschooled. So home is, feels a little bit more fluid with me. I probably, the place I feel the most home at would be like a, probably a school setting. Like I love school and I love education and I love the classroom. So being inside, like as a student in a professor kind of environment where there's a professor and you're sitting around and you're having book discussions, that's probably when I feel the most me. So yeah. doing a podcast like this and having an in-depth, in-depth discussion and talking about Michelle Foucault and wrapping that into stories with mermaids, that for me is the most, that's where I feel the most me. Which is real. And I do want to acknowledge that uh, home home can be relative to the person, right? We, we have chosen family. We have uh, people who have been misplaced from family to family. And now it's like, no, my friend and my nest here is where I feel the most at home. Or hiking this mountain is where I feel the most at home. But I just know like a, a little piece of that for me is just always going back home to Georgia. 
Good old Georgia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Georgia, Bury Me in Georgia, which is a Kane Brown song. It is. On his newest album, and you're actually co-hosting a... Yep, got Kane Brown so coming up this thrown, Thursday. Yeah, so you, you, you all should watch that. Anyway, all right, so the next next piece of world building... Okay. Back to Mermaids is... I love mermaids. Next tap, maybe. The, the mermaid, in this case, what mermaids do culturally, in mermaid culture, is that you find a foster mother and drop that child off. And so, for example, Daisy does that with her child. Yeah. And Mira, who is her mom, does that with her. And I thought that was a fascinating choice. Because you're like, okay, on one level, you're like, okay, this is a mermaid doing it. But when it's a black mermaid doing it, there's a subtext of a black woman abandoning her child for the sake of herself, right? Mm-hmm. Which is, I don't know if you've, have you ever read The Awakening by Kate Chopin? I Chopin? have. A so, long time ago. So but, High school. So high I school, half, so yeah. re- half read it because it was assigned. But that book has a place within feminist literature of, of a course. woman push like rebelling against mm-hmm. uh, the caretaker, right? Yes. And and so black women generally have been seen in American society as like the matriarch of the home, mm-hmm. and they have been responsible for, yeah. you know, being the breadwinners and all of that. And so when you have a story about a mermaid, but also a black mermaid, there becomes this sub like almost a more feminist reading of this story mm. because the mermaid can now just instead of focusing on the raising of her child she can be a mermaid and do her own thing i think tony morrison would really appreciate that wait why do you say that i don't know i just obviously i'm obsessed with tony morrison but there is i'll back up we in america hate a mother abandoning their child we we hate i mean everybody should but like there is no almost no seeing who a person once they have a baby. Mm. Uh, so, uh, so a public enemy number one is a mother who decides to abort for her health, for her uh, situation or anything like that. And so when I think about like beloved where, you know, spoiler, if you haven't read it, where a mother has makes a decision to kill her child or, or like a Sophie's choice or something, um, these women have been vilified and you don't look at this person as like, why does this person have to make this difficult choice? And what are all of the factors? I'm not, I'm not saying like in every situation, I'm not talking about like, you know, the mothers who like drown all their kids in the bathtub and the next day or whatever. But I'm talking about like in literature and in history and some specific cases. Wait, so what I mothers think, are drowning all their kids in the bathtub. You, don't, you remember that like Andrea Yates or something? Oh, did yeah. she get, didn't she like not get or like Casey Anthony? That? Yeah. There, there's some, you know, true crime, like, uh, drop, drop in the comments. What mother, <laughs> you know, who's drowned all her children. It's a thing that happens, Ben. But no, like, I'm actually curious. It's so rare, though, that it, when right. it does happen, it becomes a big thing. But when I know, uh, American but when a dad crime, walks away, it's just like I mean, that's the dad, though. But a mother leaving yeah, her a child, mother like, leaving her child, people sit up in their seats. Oh, and wait. so I think a tale of a mother saying, like, I need to go and embrace my and full be, mermaid in, self. Could you foster my child? You, another woman, could you care for my yeah. child? I really like that because it also speaks to like the very black nature of. A, a village raising oh, your child anyway okay. as well. Uh, but I know that 
there are people that are just like a mother leaving her child is the is the greatest sin one can ever commit. You know, when when we if you if you live life and you if, if you live enough years and you meet enough people, you start to learn like this person did not feel that they were the best person to raise this child. And so they left this child with this nest of people to protect and love this child. And that's the best parent they could be in that moment. So I'm not co-signing like a true crime situation, but I'm, I'm just saying, am I making any sense or am I rambling? No, no, it both, both. So your ramble makes sense. Okay. Uh, what situation would require you to leave wild? I think like if there was a zombie apocalypse. Yeah, I mean, it would have to be like, what would require me to leave? It would have to be like, we need you on Mars for this very like, and you coming will literally so there's, launch there's a, there's us an alien into invasion. another galaxy. And yes. they say we need. It need to be like some interstellar like. We need some sort of comedian to make the aliens laugh. Laugh. And so that they won't destroy and the I would entire still world. Require so you a would once drop, a week chat or something. You would like, drop remember, wild off. Think about if Interstellar was a mom instead of a dad. Mm. Like would the, would that movie have done as well? Would there be outrage? Oh, like, I haven't seen that movie in a while. But from what I understand, Matthew McConaughey leaves his children. Correct. Correct. To prevent, to find like a a space station or something or yeah to, to prevent... legit save the world yes and yeah if it was a woman yeah i i think the woman couldn't be portray- matthew mcconaughey in that film as i remember is portrayed as a very caring loving father right and i think if a woman if you were to have a woman to do that i don't think she would be portrayed as a caring loving mother she Correct. would be probably portrayed as more distant yeah yeah damn mm. It's fascinating. I mean, I'm sure we could, if we thought hard enough, we could think of some movie where the mother abandoned the child and the child, like, later had to understand why and the sacrifice that was made. But, like, for the most part, wh- what what movie is that? You got anything? Yeah. I don't know. Where there's quite a few, like, you know, dad goes I, off to war and well, comes back. I think back The and, Awakening was one of the books yes. where you're given the context of why this woman for those who have not read the book, it's been around for like a hundred years, but she kills herself at the end because mm-hmm. she feels trapped. You know how else I remember that? Yeah. Because I didn't, I, I effed around and didn't read the end. And the next day in class in 10th grade in the discussion, Ragsdale was like, Amber, why don't you talk to us a little bit about the, about the end of the book? For those who don't know, Ragsdale is my a, like 10th really, grade AP lit teacher, but he, who huge influence on my life. Yeah. Huge influence. We actually went and got pizza with him. You know, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll see him when we go back home to speaking of home, home is still important. And he like taught you a lot about writing and stuff. Yes. So, so, so imagine it, like me in class, like nodding so, awake. So this then, was a teacher you respected. Oh, you, oh you for loved, sure. And he called sure. you out. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, Amber, what'd you think of the end of the book? Like in front of the group circle. And I was like, it was so joyful. And, <laughs> you know, I love a happy ending. And I, I really appreciate how things came together in the end. He was like, huh. <laughs> and he's like, so you don't have anything to say about the ocean and the water and like yeah that was just a real cleansing <laughs> in the end of which is not ter- it wasn't not I, I was speaking off. just broad enough <laughs> to do well 
But he was like, and Where how her- do you feel about that? He was like, and why don't you connect text to world? And I, I probably said something like, like I too would really enjoy just committing suicide. In yeah, the ocean. yeah. After after class, he was like, so you want to commit suicide? That's that's what you said today in class. I was like, what? <laughs> He's like, you didn't read the end of the book, did you? I was like. I did it. <laughs> what happened to old girl in the book? And he was like, God damn it, Amber. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, read the end of the awakening. He, that's a, also a good teacher where you point out that kind of thing yeah. at the end of class, not in the middle, so you don't embarrass the student. So Absolutely. Um, okay, so size, like things that we weren't crazy about uh, or enjoyed. There were some characters in here that were superfluous. <laughs> you, you didn't need them. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed the sisters. Uh, some yeah. of the cutting seemed weird. Like there were certain scenes where I was like, how do we get from, I didn't know how, yeah. how I think at one point, is it Violet? I think Violet goes from like dropping Daisy off to clean. And then she goes back to her, essentially her, you know, mentor, but I'm like, but her demeanor has completely changed. Yeah. I, I don't, it wasn't, it was a little bit disconnected. And I think those, yeah, anyway, there's one, a, there's some weird editing things. At one point I told Ben, I was like, I feel like this would have read better as a book just because I would have been able to like flip back to the beginning and see the family tree or something. I just needed a couple more things that grounded me in who everybody was to each other. So some parts of it literally felt like, I don't know, if you walk into a coffee shop and heard two people talking about something like super important and you're like, but I don't know who these people are and I really kind of don't even know what they're more talking about. Yeah, helpful. more Yeah. Co- and I fully understand like sometimes you give the audience way too much and we're like, we get it. You're the villain. But this needed a little bit more of like, wait, who's talking in? Wait, like where's this going? Or this yeah. scene is a little bit too long. I would appreciate more of this over here. And also for me, I just needed a little bit more creature feature. Oh. Ben has taught me this phrase and creature features. I, yeah, I needed. I mean, we we kind of saw like one mermaid at the very end. So even even if you do have a small budget, I think there are some ways to like bring home the point that somebody is a mermaid. Maybe they can have some like gill prints in their neck or something, or maybe mm. they like the water of all kinds lights up a little bit when they touch it or a music starts right when the hand touches the water, just a little bit more of like, okay, this person is mythical and magical. Like this girl had like perfectly arched eyebrows and some braids and some like coily hair. I was like, is she the mermaid? Who, which, which one of the girls are, are the special girl? Like it was a little bit hard to understand. Like, how is this girl a mermaid? She's kind of just like blending with everybody else. And I mean, she doesn't talk much, but that doesn't tell me, what she does do. So I, I think the main girl who was might a be harder for mermaids to talk underwater. So they developed the skill of not talking as much maybe, but she was actually raised in the water. She was raised outside the water. So that, so then that wouldn't have made sense, right? Yeah. I don't know. There, there were just a, we needed a little bit more, uh, story and I don't know, less long shots of beautiful people at some points. The characters were beautiful. We, of course, we always will support a black director, but, I I think the story of the West Indies would have been way more interesting. Most of the filming takes place in Berkeley where the sisters are trying to get home. And then it turns out Mira is trying to recapture Daisy. And Uh, there were some really great plot twists in there. But I think they would have hit harder if we had a more clear understanding of who everybody was. I'll just be honest about that. 
Yeah, there's yeah. there's an inspector who's been haunted by this case forever who thinks... But you don't see him as a young yeah, inspector being haunted by it, this case. It's kind it of like... It would have been more interesting to... Like, if the film just take took place in the West Indies, There's actually. a level of... I don't know if this is the right way to phrase this, but sometimes when it comes to, like, your audience and performer and this dynamic, there's a level of trust that needs to be gained in some way. Like, yoga can be like that, too, like... I go to a yoga class and the teacher does a couple things on the front end that makes me trust like, okay, I trust now where this plot is going. I trust where this class is going. I trust how this, this person's ability to move our bodies around and things like that. And so I think there were a, a few ways that this director could have established more trust with us as the audience on the front end so that then when something big happens, like, oh, you got us now. We're fully hooked. Right. So we don't really get the full backstory until maybe three quarters into the film. And yeah. that would have been more powerful if we started on the front end. I think that would have been... I think right. that would have been more helpful. Got to gain for our trust viewer. first, and then we could we can do some like cool ethereal. Well, let's talk about someone who has gained our trust. Okay, yeah, Ryan Coogler. Yeah, yeah. Period. Poo. Uh, fantastic. So, what are we? What are we watching? Well, you next okay? Week? What's going on next week? All right, this is me warping up the show. This is warp up. Y'all, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Sci-Fi Sci Podcast. Thank you also for being patient with us as we parent, as we move across the country still, as we take care of our bodies. Uh, always appreciate y'all for that. But up next, we will be watching Wakanda Forever, Black Panther, directed by Ryan Coogler. Please, 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 y'all. Go see Wakanda Forever this weekend so that we can all talk about it next Tuesday on the show. And we will see y'all next week for episode 109. It's actually uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, not Wakanda Forever Black Panther. Well, you typed that. Black Panther. Go watch Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Listen to Riri's Lift Me Up instrumental and the one with words. And we'll see y'all next week for the show. Bye, y'all. Say bye, Wildland. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.